electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm John Fort. You're listening to CNBC's Tech Check. Our show is live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Good Friday morning, everyone. I'm Deirdre Boza in Menlo Park outside the newly branded Meta HQ. Carl is at the NYSE and John is at CNBC headquarters. Today, Apple and Amazon stocks drop after rare misses. Supply constraints catching up to two of the biggest names in tech. Plus, a couple of other sharp movers in tech as we wrap up an October rally. Western Digital, Lucid, Zendesk, and drop the Facebook. Will the move to Meta be enough for world peace, Carl? Uh, Dee, we're going to start with Apple and Amazon this morning. Of course, both stocks lower. Amazon with its first earnings miss since the beginning of the pandemic and Apple's earnings in line. First time it hasn't beat since 2016. And of course, sales did miss. Supply chain was the main drag on both. Apple says manufacturing disruptions impacted sales by $6 billion, but the demand, they say, is still there. Amazon, a 20% plus drop in growth, says the company will take on several billion dollars of extra costs in Q4 due to labor shortages and supply chain constraints. You can see the pressure on both names uh, taking out more than $100 billion in market cap between them, John. Uh, but the bullish read, at least on Amazon today, is going to come from the likes of Morgan Stanley, and that is they are pulling out all the stops, they argue, to make holiday work. And that sense of reliability, they think, will have implications not just on competitors for holiday, but how, how consumers view Amazon in the quarters that come after that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me, Carl. And, you know, Amazon can afford to pull out all the stops. Also, Apple, uh, I guess the bullish case there is demand is really high. So when you look across uh, Amazon and the cloud performance, which was strong, and that's, you know, the main growth business that you focus on, you also want to focus on third party and their logistics. Are they able, uh, even if they got to spend, to keep that moving? It appears they are. And then Apple, same thing. The demand for the iPhone 13 is high across product lines is high. The new M1 chips in Max, that demand appears to be strong. So, yes, there are supply constraints. We know this about the global economy. But the fundamental thesis for both stocks seems to be strong. Is that the demand is there, right? It's been about the supply chain for months now. But I guess the question, guys, is that when it comes to that iPhone demand, is it deferred or is it destroyed? If you can't get one for the holiday season, do you buy something else or do you just delay that purchase? Uh, John, you also mentioned Amazon can afford these extra costs, but I suppose maybe some analysts are starting to question that. Yes, they can afford it, but should they? Should they be raising the cost of Prime? And Carl, that was a question asked on the call to CFO Brian Olsowski. And he wouldn't say, but he said that they're always monitoring. And of course, we had that delivery fee for Whole Foods come into place this week. So if prices get higher in a more competitive environment, does Amazon still have that proposition that consumers have really flocked to over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think so. I mean, who else has the built-in logistics? I've made the mistake before of saying 
does Amazon really need to deliver faster than in two days? And then the pandemic hit. And, oh, my goodness, I was just ordering dental floss from know. Amazon yeah, this morning. I mean, morning. Target, yeah, so of course, John. Of course I've gone to Target do. a few times, and yes. they've been able to deliver same day. Uh, exactly. So, of course, they, they pioneered this, and it continues to be important. We've heard from Adobe in the past few days that uh, order online, pick up and store, curbside continues to be strong. And Amazon is well-positioned in all of that. So, you know, who's building the infrastructure for the uh, omni-channel future? Well, Amazon is. And then Apple's got these high-margin, high-priced products, Carl, that uh, they can airlift as uh, manufacturing is able to ramp up, perhaps, during the holidays. So they have a big advantage there. And, John, just one last coda on Amazon. The one element that got, I think, completely lost in this particular report was the acceleration of AWS up uh, 200 basis points quarter on quarter. That's just not what people are thinking about today. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe that's good for the people who are, (laughs) you know, because cloud, you know, we've been saying here on Tech Check, we're talking about the difficulties moving physical goods, moving hardware around and at Mm -hmm. the same time enterprise software continues to be an area where companies are relying to both figure out data-wise how to get themselves out of this pinch and how to keep workers productive. And that's showing up in those AWS numbers as well. And very much still the profit engine of Amazon. No question about that. Uh, On the Apple front, uh, Josh Lipton, of course, did talk to Tim Cook last night as usual. Uh, Let's get to him. Josh. So, Carl, it's actually not just about the iPhone, of course. Another big question for Apple investors is going to be, what does growth look like in the quarters ahead for Mac and iPad? We know those enjoyed big tailwinds during the pandemic, and so many of us were learning and working from home. In its fiscal Q4, Apple just reported Mac revenue of $9.2 billion, an increase of 2% year over year. iPad revenue is $8.3 billion, a jump of 21%. I did speak with Tim Cook, who sounded bullish on these businesses. Though noted challenges, too, saying both of those, Mac and iPad, have had some major product announcements. Just last week with MacBook Pro with the new chips, I think these are game changers. We are, though, Cook told me, in deep backlog right now on those. We have a supply constraint to work through. iPad is also terribly constrained for the quarter, Cook said. So right now, I am more concerned on the supply of both of those than the demand. Skeptics, we know, sound the alarm, however. They say that these two products are going to hit air pockets in the cores ahead as students return to school and employees return to work. But could the truth be somewhere in between that, yes, Mac and iPad growth will moderate, but not as much as skeptics think? That is the bet Gene Munster of Loop Ventures is making. Hybrid work is here to stay, he tells me, and more people will be consuming more content at home. Supply will catch up with demand in fiscal 22. Munster models Mac growth of 9% and iPad growth of 10%, both comfortably higher than the street. Back to you all. Yeah, Josh, uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about where this goes is that I think the replacement cycle for PCs might have changed. So, yes, now you need a PC arguably for everybody in your hi- household if your kids are of school age, just in case you got a quarantine on the way back from vacation, they got to do school from home, et cetera. Maybe in the past you thought that they could do with just a, you know, a, a smaller mobile device, not anymore. But then those devices that you had in your home already, as they end of life, you're going to have to perhaps replace all of them sooner. And Apple with these M1 chips is in an interesting position to capture more profit margin on those. Were there questions on the call about uh, how Apple's margins are going to be impacted by having its own chips across the Mac line now? Yeah, I think it's interesting, John. Um, you, you, listen, skeptics are, are going to point out that 
Um, maybe the case seems to be that the business has been strong, but that it simply can't continue. And that um, as the world returns to normal, you're going to hit these air pockets. I think the, the other case is, well, yeah, there's going to be moderation, but the fundamentally something has changed. That hybrid work is here to stay. More people are going to be learning, playing, and working from home. Um, but we have to come up, catch up these supply constraints as well. Um, it was just an interesting call in general. I think everybody's trying to figure out uh, what does growth look like for this business going ahead. There's so much noise there. Uh, you don't have formal guidance. You have tough comps. And of course, these supply chains are a big headache. That's the, the question investors are trying to peek through that noise and find a question to that. Well, uh, thanks, Josh. Now let's figure out how some financial analysts are thinking about exactly that. Joining us now is a city analyst, Jim Suva. Jim, um, when, when you look at this Apple quarter and you look at uh, what we're looking at it for holiday with supplies constrained. How much of that demand just goes away, maybe for wearables, for the, for the lower price giftable stuff? And how much of it remains probably for the higher end, uh, you know, iPhones and Macs? That's a great observation and question. And I would say in the next few weeks ahead, I expect the media and the newspapers to all be talking about shortages coming into the holiday period. So I expect people to start putting in their orders earlier, which will help Apple's backlog. Simply put, we're seeing this not only across PCs and iPhones, but across all PCs and all smartphones and all tech generally, as well as other parts in your daily life. I do not expect demand to evaporate at all. In fact, I expect these supply constraints to keep demand going and visibility well beyond the December quarter. So we view this as a Halloween scare, a bit of an early boo. We've seen this before where Apple has missed once in a while on a supply constraint. It used to be the screen or the camera or the case and demand did not dry up. Simply, this is not a thesis changer in our mind. Now, what about reading through to suppliers? For example, it seems to me to be tricky business because it doesn't necessarily mean that Apple's going to slow down purchases of components because it knows it's going to need to put these things together eventually, right? But then if some of these suppliers are having trouble getting supply that they need, it might not be good news for them either. But overall, at least the, the macro setup seems to be good for Qualcomm. You are smart on. You've been doing this a long time, and the answer is correct. But keep in mind, if there were competing products out there that you could buy, that's where there's a problem. But when everybody's impacted, we view it as a bit of an aberration or an opportunity. Again, there's really no other alternative to get because all the alternative products out there are, are experiencing the exact same supply chain challenges. So because of that, they're all kind of in this same game. And the game is being determined by demand. And demand is outpacing supply. And that's a good situation to us. Hey, Jim, I know it's easy to... Um sort of lump all semis into the same bucket and they, they have multiple uses from multiple industries. But how do you explain to the layperson the difference in the outlook between, say, the Fords, who are arguing this is not getting any worse and maybe even getting a little bit better, versus a Tim Cook who says it's going to be worse in Q4 than it was in Q3? Well, first of all, when you start talking about um, automobiles, that has a different purchasing seasonality. You don't buy that into the weekend of Thanksgiving and that holiday push. And not a lot of people buy cars for Christmas. But for wearables and iPhones and tablets, it's pretty common to see that 
uh, following Thanksgiving, that big push as well as into Christmas. So there's different seasonality there. Keep in mind also, and this is important and it's a little technical, but for your, your viewers to note that Apple typically does use more leading end, at leading end technology. When you start getting to nanometers that are really small and, and super fast chips, where cars are more legacy. And so the car situation has been seeing uh, supply shortages for much longer than Apple has. And so it's kind of catching up to Apple. So it's a little bit about timing, but more importantly, the seasonality of consumer electronics versus automobiles. That's how you bridge that gap. Hey, Jim, it's Deirdre. There was a really interesting question on the earnings call last night. Someone asked Tim Cook whether he'd consider more vertical integration, such as they've done with designing that M1 chip, you know, perhaps batteries or screens. He didn't say no. Do you think that that's a possibility and that potentially some of Apple's suppliers should be worried going forward? So the answer is he didn't say no, because I think they're evaluating all the opportunities. They have over 200 billion of cash. They have a lot of options they can do with that. And where they see that they can innovate better than others, I expect them to go into that more vertically. And we have seen that with the M1 chip. We've seen that with some of the other things that they've done. And they've made a world of difference of change of coming out with that. They don't want to be stuck on legacy architecture. I think what this does is turns up the heat for a cause for innovation with their suppliers to work with them. If you don't work with them and innovate to the speed that Apple wants, they will come in with their own chip. So I think the opportunity is Apple has over $200 billion of cash. They want innovation for their own products as well as suppliers. And if the chip companies don't do it, they'll go about it themselves. And they've shown they've been successful doing so. Yeah, um, well noted. As we also know, what Apple tends to do is take money, invest in suppliers, do co-innovation, and lock up uh, supply going forward without even having to buy them out. Uh, So that's another play in their playbook. Jim, thank you. Great, and happy Halloween to all of you. Good to see you. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Let's get back to Amazon. The stock is down after that Q3 disappointment, but our next guest does maintain and outperform. Uh, joining us this morning, Evercore ISI head of Internet Research, Mark Mahaney. Uh, Mark, happy Friday. Um, a lot of people who have traded this name for a while are familiar with uh, the beginning of an investment cycle. Is this one any different than the ones we've lived through in the past? It may be more extreme. It may be more complicated. Amazon is so big now. It's the second largest employer in the country that Amazon has almost become the economy. Uh, If there's wage inflation, Amazon sees it. If there's inflation in steel prices, Amazon sees it. If there's inflation in trucking prices, trucking services, Amazon sees it. So it's become more complicated of a business. That all said, this is an investment cycle. We generally think you make money buying Amazon on investment cycles. Are are you um, at all? I mean, the, 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 the guide on December operating income, uh, zero to three billion. I mean, what would the danger optically be if, in fact, they did not make money in this coming quarter? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't expect I we thought that there was risk to the December quarter operating income guidance. I thought they were going to do four to five billion. So they surprised us. We knew it was an investment cycle. We didn't know it was going to be that big. But there are a lot of costs involved here. There's two questions you need to ask yourself as an Amazon investor. Has anything changed in terms of the revenue growth? And if you look at it on a two year stack basis, because you've got these uh, dramatic COVID comps, you see that the growth is pretty consistent. In fact, it's faster post-COVID than it was pre-COVID, assuming we're post-COVID. 
The second thing is you know, the the cost. What are those? Which of those costs are structural, permanent, and temporary, uh, and elective? And I think if you look through it, there's some that are permanent, the wage increases, but most of the other is temporary or it's elective. The company is making these investment decisions, and they'll get a return on that. That's why I think this is a good opportunity to wade in and buy the stock. Do I want Amazon to go into the negative, uh, uh, you know, a profit? Or to start losing money? No, I don't think they need to. I think they've got enough sources of profits with advertising in AWS that they don't need to. Mark, it's Deirdre. Amazon's platform or services, if you will, AWS, Prime, advertising, now as big as or even bigger than its e-commerce business. Uh, so I wonder, they're trying to become this omni-channel retailer, and that was actually one of the disappointing parts of the report, their physical store sales. They've been trying in this sphere for a while now, and it's not really bearing fruit. It's growing much slower than their other initiatives. Do you think Amazon is trying to bite off too much here? They've got Fresh, they've got Whole Foods, they've got the five-star stores. Uh, Deirdre, it's, if you think about a couple of areas where Amazon has not shown success, you pointed it out. It's physical store sales. And so I, I think the big um, the big kahuna, if you will, that uh, Amazon's going after is groceries. And I think they're going to try to do it with this Amazon Fresh concept, become store that uh, it, for in-store, for buy, buy online, pick up in-store, and for at-home delivery. They're just starting with this process. I mean, this is going to be a multi-year investment cycle. I don't know whether Amazon cracks the code on groceries. I don't think they have to date. I think they've probably got the talent. They certainly have the resources and the money to do it. So my, I would go long on that idea, but I don't think you're going to get. I don't, th I don't think we're going to get proof points on whether Amazon really figures it out uh, for you know three to five years. Mark, here's how I'm looking at this strategically. Tell me where I might be wrong here. Uh, if you are looking for Amazon in an investment cycle to be doing the right thing based on the challenges that face their business uniquely, you want them to be investing significantly and successfully on labor logistics and AI, right? Because that gets to the third party stuff. It gets to the regulatory issues that they have on the labor side. And AI is sort of that next leg in cloud. As long as they're doing that, I mean, yeah, they're going to be investment cycles, right? I, I like the way you set it up. I'll give you a contrast here. Facebook is investing 10 billion a year in something that's somewhat unknown. I bet you they succeed in it, but it's the metaverse. That's something unknown. Amazon is doubling down in its core business. That's your point, John. And I think it's absolutely right. I mean, if anybody's going to be doubling down on investments in infrastructure, you want Amazon to do it. Amazon's better at logistics than any company out there. And watch them get into a logistics as a service within the next three to five years. So, yeah, and investing in AI. And then Amazon, Amazon innovates a lot on product, but they also innovate. And people don't appreciate this enough about the company. They innovate on costs. They can bring down that shipping cost per unit over time, even when they're dealing with these massive supply chain inefficiencies that they're dealing with now. So I'm bullish on Amazon on the top line and on the bottom line. Uh, speaking of the top line, Mark, I mean, eBay's showing a bit of a reversal this morning, up almost 5 percent. But I wonder if their commentary about holiday consumer demand uh, weighed on you and whether or not that suggests that there is maybe downside risk on demand for Amazon for the holiday. I think the demand is there. I think fulfilling that demand is tough. There was also this two-step we just went through in the September quarter where we had uh, retail spend kind of shifted, you know, uh, quick shifted over to offline uh, stores. And then you also had consumer discretion spend, discretionary spend that shifted over to travel and services and entertainment. But that's a temporary move. I, I think we're kind of, I don't know if we snap back, but we revolve back to normal online retail spend starting in this December quarter. The issue for Amazon is going to be able to fulfill it efficiently, and they're not going to be able to fulfill it efficiently, not in the way they've done before. 
but it'll 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 work through the Amazon system. And my guess is that you're going to have a nice uh, increase in margins on Amazon in the back half of 22. Revenue growth is going to accelerate. That's the momentum pitch behind why I think Amazon is going to be one of the best stocks to own for 2022. Interesting. Interesting. We're going to probably start talking about some favorites for the new year in the coming weeks. Uh, Mark, as always, our thanks. Good to see you. Mark Mahaney. Thank you, Carl. Guys, let's turn to the other story of the day, and that is Meta, of course. I'm here at Menlo Park in front of that new sign after last night's big reveal. Here's Mark Zuckerberg on how that name change came about. Meta's Buddhist. You know, um, I love Meta. It means friendship, love, and kindness. That was Meta World Peace. I think our producers are having a bit of fun here. But it is perhaps Facebook's most important day since Justin Timberlake made them drop the the from their name. Drop the the. Just Facebook. It's clean. Okay, I know that we do have some footage of Zuckerberg showing off what is actually possible in the metaverse? Take a look. Uh, that is Minority Report. Again, our producers having a bit of fun here, as many people on Twitter are. Basically, though, guys, Facebook's new reality, a great way to avoid ever being outside. Like I am right now, side of a highway. Perhaps my avatar could be doing that in the future. Speaking of which, I think that we were able to find the right clip. Here we go. Third time's the charm. Mark Zuckerberg leaving the metaverse and re-entering the real world. Carl, our producers really shine in these moments. I think they're uh, perhaps excited for the new Matrix. <laughs> I think, if anything, uh, it, it, you know, people talk about a distraction, John, for Facebook. But at least for uh, a lot of people, it was just a way to have some fun with um, with the new name. I know uh, Jack Dorsey kind of weighed in with That's some included. tweaks of his own. Uh, it got worldwide attention for sure. It did, and I, I'm trying to figure out what the impact is for investors, because I think, yes, we notice, um, you know, maybe the ticker changes, but most people who, the, the name of the product, Facebook, is staying the same. There's still Instagram, there's still what's, WhatsApp, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe this is more about also employees and the, the brand risk on uh, employee loyalty and just the feeling around working for Meta versus saying you're working for Facebook in certain cases. D, I don't know. I mean, not everybody is working on the Facebook product and so that takes away yeah. perhaps some risk I, I mean I've been in this location a bunch of times and there was this different feeling as I drove out this morning and saw that new sign I'm sure that's what a lot of the employees are feeling like particularly ones that aren't working on Facebook um, there was a really good review and sort of analysis of what happened Ben Thompson Stratry I just want to read you guys a line from it because I thought it was really relevant and why this is important and perhaps different from Google's rebrand of Alphabet. He wrote that Meta is entirely about a future that doesn't yet exist. Believing it will happens, 
happened rests on the degree to which you believe that Zuckerberg, the founder, can accomplish more than any mere manager. And that is such a key point here, John, is that Zuckerberg is a founder. He has majority voting power. He can do something like this. He can change the entire trajectory of a company. Whether he succeeds is a question, but this first step is a big one that perhaps only a founder is able to take. Indeed. And I keep looking at that new logo and thinking, uh, infinity, yeah, maybe Spider-Man eyes, also maybe lungs, you know, breathing in the digital future. Graffiti opportunity. So, yeah, so many different ways you can go uh, with that logo. Meanwhile, getting a check on the major averages to close out October tech and the NASDAQ up better than 6%. We will highlight some specific names, not in FANG. Next, can we still call it FANG? There's an M in there now. Tech check, just getting started. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Getting a check on Western Digital. Shares are tumbling as the company provides a disappointing profit forecast for the current quarter. Supply chain issues once again souring the company's guidance. Shares are down over 5% for the year. But off the intraday lows, City does call it a buying opportunity, says it's their top value tech hardware name. Although shares, guys, have come way down, D, from the mid-70s earlier on. Yep, negative year to date. Uh, crypto check also on the way to a break. Ethereum hitting a new intraday, all time high this morning, topping 4,400. Bitcoin up about 40% in October on pace for its best month of the year. Plus, UPenn Wharton will weigh in on Facebook's name change. More tech check is next. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Click, 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 click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome back to Tech Check. I'm Carl Quintanilla with John Fort and Deirdre Bosa. Uh, markets close to session highs here, 45.93. We are closing out a pretty strong October for tech. The FANG Plus index up over 9%, despite the weakness out of Facebook. Dominic Chu is looking at what uh, names saw the biggest moves in this incredible month. Hey, Dom. In both directions, Carl, because there has been some volatility despite that great move that we've seen. For many parts of the market, we could see the best month 
since November of last year. Something to keep in mind. First of all, if you want to look at the broader S&P 500, the sectors that did the best, the more value economically sensitive ones like energy up 11 percent. That's the best performing S&P 500 sector. Meanwhile, consumer discretionary, that consumer continues to show strength there up 11 percent as well. Meanwhile, the worst performing sector, to your point, Carl, is that communication services sector. Thanks and or due in large part to some of the weakness in those social media type stocks, only up about one third of one percent on a month to date basis. Now, if you drill down a little bit in terms of in terms of the winners that we've seen so far this year, you check out some of the names that we typically talk about, like semiconductors, NVIDIA, one of the best performing stocks in the S&P and the, in the, in the Nasdaq composite overall as well. But Enphase Energy on the solar side of things, a very hot part of the market over the course of the past month, up 53 percent. And then transportation stocks, specifically the rail companies, Union Pacific over the course of the last month, up about 23, 24 percent. Also look at names like CSX as well. Those names doing particularly well in the month of October. Now, if you take a look at some of the biggest losers on the downside, you take a look at some of the names that we often talk about as being upside gainers through the course of the last year and beyond. Fintech, PayPal, believe it or not, down about 10 percent so far in the month of October. Moderna actually jockeying for the worst performing stock in the S&P 500 over the course of this month in October, down 11 percent. And then Twitter on that social media side, down about 11, 12 percent as well. So social media Moderna, a vaccine maker for COVID-19 that's seen a lot of positivity over the last year, and then PayPal as well. One other thing to keep an eye on, guys, is just biotech or biopharma in general, especially the large cap ones within the NASDAQ 100, specifically Gilead Sciences, Biogen, and Amgen. Just thematically watch those. They are three of the worst performing stocks within that month-to-day basis within the NASDAQ 100. So perhaps Carl, perhaps Deirdre, perhaps John, there could be a move here in some of these names as people start to take stock about what's happening in biotech over the course of the last few weeks, guys. Back over to you. Right. And Dom, to your previous chart, we talked about this yesterday. Some of those pandemic darlings losing a little bit of momentum. Uh, another stock though I want to identify that just opened this week for trade, and that is Rent the Runway. It has now closed lower every day since that Wednesday IPO. It opened at $23. It priced above at the high end of its range. But look, now it is trading below $19 a share. Take a look at IPOs more broadly, substantially underperforming the market. Here is that Renaissance IPO index versus the Triple Q in 2021. Kramer tweeted this week, there are two markets, IPOs with brand names like Oatly, Honest Company, Warby Parker. And then guys, there's everything else. He'd stick with everything else. Hmm. Yeah, I I wonder how to put that up against this really, I think, uh, weird action in Zendesk and Momentum this morning and what that says about risk uh, what that says about overall investor appetite as we see some of the most successful companies in the market, uh, Apple, Amazon, uh, dealing with supply chain crunch issues. But, you know, we also see Shopify dealing with some of that. And that stock, at least yesterday, went up. It's a bit, it's a bit puzzling, Carl. It is. Uh, and to the degree that IPOs live or die on retail interest, one of the things that we are keeping in the back of our heads, John, uh, is that commentary out of Robinhood about uh, retail interest, whether that's on the wane, uh, whether that has, that has impacts, uh, impact on the broader market, but certainly for some of the new issues that are so often uh, the center of attention. Yeah. And I mean, we, we got those uh, moves in Zendesk and Momentum up right now. I think important to remember that part of what these companies are about is data 
behind these companies and understanding what customers are going to want, uh, understanding the interaction between uh, the company and the customer. And that continues to be important. So, Dee, I think it goes back to um, you yeah. know, investors for the most part need to be long term and which companies have the right IP and the right strategy to succeed, even if they're not yep. popping right now. But I don't know. This Zendex momentum thing, especially and given the activist uh, in momentum, I don't know if this deal can even happen with the stock doing what they respectively are right now. Yeah, and when you look at some of those consumer names, John and Carl, you got to wonder, too, what's a tech company? What is tech adjacent? I know that there were some questions around that, particularly for the likes of A Rent the Runway and some of the other direct-to-consumer companies. John, they've got data, but what they do with it and their costs is important to factor in also. Yeah, indeed. Well, after the break, Tesla is not this week's best-performing EV stock. We will tell you why Lucid Motors is up 50%. Or I don't know if we can tell you why it's up 50%, but why it's up anyway since Monday. That's next. Stay with us. Time for a gut check on Lucid Motors. Shares of Lucid surged as much as 47% during trading on Thursday after the company confirmed first customer deliveries of its $169,000 Airdream Edition sedan would begin Saturday. Uh, stock hit its highest point since the company went public through a SPAC deal in July at $39.78 before retreating yesterday afternoon. Uh, but D, between that, between Amazon disclosing this uh, stake in Rivian, Tesla today, $1,100, pretty pivotal week for EVs. Indeed, and we've definitely seen the stock action to follow that across, not just Lucid. Meanwhile, we've been covering the story all morning. Facebook going meta. You see the sign right behind me. Mark Zuckerberg saying the new name represents a shift in focus towards new technologies, but will it work? Is this a distraction? Is meta even a good name? Joining us now with his grade, Wharton School of Business Marketing Professor Americus Reed. Americus, what is your score? And tell me, how is this different or not from Alphabet and Google's change? Well, thanks for the opportunity. It's great to be with you, Carl, Deidre, and John. First of all, let me say, I would give this a kind of a B minus. And the reason is this, because when we think about tech companies, we think about branding and what are we really trying to do here? Are we trying to get, if we're Facebook, are we trying to get people to forget the whole Cambridge analytical thing, to forget all of this bad stuff, misinformation, all of these things that have been going on with respect to Facebook and to try to suddenly reimagine what Facebook is. And that, so this is an attempt to try to do that, to sort of say, listen, you know, we started off as this two dimensional kind of connection mechanism. And now we're going to go to this much more uh, immersive kind of virtual reality, uh, augmented reality, uh, smart glasses, Oculus, all of this stuff now, that's the same idea connecting people, but in this very rich and next level and immersive kind of metaverse sort of way, if, if, if you will. And so this is an attempt to try to do that. But what I think is going to happen is I think people will be on board with the new technology and all of that. But what will be very difficult is to sort of erase all the previous stuff that we have in our minds about the old sort of Facebook. And so that'll be the struggle here, which is to say, can can we replace those old thoughts with these newer thoughts? Right. And do those struggles sort of follow what Mark Zuckerberg wants to create in the metaverse? This is about him wanting to own a platform, yeah. an operating system, get the chance that he didn't have for smartphones, right? 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, I think that, you know, he really wants to be the thought leader here. He wants to be the, the public face of this. And I think, in my personal opinion, if I were Zuckerberg, I would actually recede. I would actually say, I would put someone else out there, maybe someone a bit more uh, charismatic, a bit more trusted. The data is very clear on this, Deidre. Most consumers, I'm aware of at least three studies that show that consumers, American consumers, distrust Facebook, almost half of American consumers. And so you have this ongoing challenge of, you know, do, do I really want to continue to do this? And if Zuckerberg, by the way, this is not sort of, you know, poo-pooing on him. You know, you got to know what you're good at. And he's just not the face of like charismatic, warm, resonant sort of connections that you might see with some of the other CEOs in the tech world. So I I would say you step back a little bit and let this meta be better, because in some senses, (laughs) you're trying to create this this totally new perception and you don't want to be drugged down by the old perception. But Americans, I, I mean, a tough thing about that is it's a controlled company and Zuckerberg has control. So even if you put somebody else's face out there, we all know He's the one that's making the call. And also, if the purpose of this were for the general audience, for lawmakers, for customers to to project some change, then wouldn't they have changed the name of the flagship product, Facebook? Facebook is still called Facebook. The corporate name is what's changing. It seems like the audience is more either employees or shareholders, not the consuming public or the regulators. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic insight. I think it's a signal. You're signaling to these particular audiences or constituencies uh, that you just mentioned. And so for the consumer, the consumers, here's what we understand about the consumer. The consumer basically, you know, they are kind of stuck on Facebook. And it's when you ask people, you know, what would be required for you? How much would we need to pay you to deactivate your account? And by the way, this study has been done in 2018, 2019. You got to pay people at least a thousand dollars a year to get off Facebook. Problem is they're kind of stuck in that ecosystem. So they're not going to be moving away from it anytime soon. Where I think the important thing is to signal to you guys, point signal to the marketplace we are sort of on the cutting edge we're going in a different direction and this is where connectedness is going to be headed and i as as leader of facebook can sort of i can sort of be the be the one in charge of that ship to take it in this new direction and bring all these new people younger consumers uh, on board because that's the other thing it's sort of like no matter how bad the perception is of facebook eventually the younger consumers are going to come in and not know any of this old baggage stuff and so there'll be a new sort of target market entering in and probably hopefully trying to come on board the platform americus i'm i'm interested in your thoughts on the metaverse as a as a use case, not just for Facebook, but in general, because we're in this period now where consumers are distrustful of technology, suspicious of being tracked, and yet you can see the obvious draw of gaming and AR and VR. Uh, Do you think within five years, uh, this is something we'll want to take part in? It's a great question. I think the answer is yes, because it's going to be something that we're seeing it all across many dimensions of consumer behavior, this idea of connection and immersion in a much more deeper kind of a way. And I think that that's where things are headed. So Facebook is smart, in my opinion, to try to be in front of that ship and to probably try to lead and be the face of this. But I think the biggest challenge will be, and by the way, what we our research is also finding is that when you talk to younger consumers, they understand that they are they, that Facebook is 
in free, right? There's a transaction happening whereby I am giving you my data to be able to access this platform, to get information and to be delighted by the types of stuff and to have my network kind of scaled and in this one specific standardized place. So younger consumers get that. And the more digitally savvy, I'm a digital immigrant, so I'm trying to figure out all this stuff. What's TikTok? What is this other type of stuff? But the younger consumer <laughs> understands these things and they're going to be ready to jump on board, quite honestly. And they may not have any right. perception or negative sort of impact or understanding about any of the previous uh, elements of Facebook. Right. And with this move, America, Facebook has essentially made itself synonymous with the metaverse. But in reality, it's actually a lot larger. You talk about younger generation. They may actually think about Snap first. You think about the investment community. They may think about NVIDIA. There's an entire ETF dedicated to the metaverse. So in terms of investment opportunities and other companies trying to play in this space, where do you think the opportunity is and what kind of challenges do they have now in terms of marketing now that Facebook wants to be called meta? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Deidre. In some senses, the, the world of tech is evolving like you all cover every single day uh, in terms of investments and things of that nature. I think people, and if you look at, if you just look at sort of the, the, the consumer movement, you're, you're seeing consumers taking power, right? The so-called apes, if you will, stepping in and like trying to go against the big giants in their own way and from an investment perspective. And they're gonna be keenly watching this information and being able to respond to it because what your show and other shows are doing is bringing all this information to, to common folk and they can internalize that information and make their own investment decisions and, and, and do all of these kinds of things related to tech. And so we're only gonna see tech growing and growing and growing and growing with respect to investment opportunities, especially with respect to younger consumers. Yeah, well, that's what we're here to talk about. Americas, thank you so much for being with us. Americas Reed, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Up next, we will come back to, that's right, the supply chain and how it is hitting stocks like Apple and Amazon. Exclusive results from our CNBC Technology Executive Council survey. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Don't go away. Apple and Amazon results both showed the risks of supply disruptions for stocks. The demand is there, but it's the supply that remains tight. Those disruptions are the second biggest concerns among tech executives right now. That is according to the latest results of the CNBC Technology Executive Council survey. The council is a network of C-suite tech leaders from some of the largest companies in the world. 26% of the participants say supply chain disruptions are a bigger challenge to them than the labor shortage or cybersecurity. Overall, four out of five say their companies are experiencing some kind of supply chain disruption. When asked what's the most significant consequence of those disruptions, 34% say it's the inability to meet customer demand. Another 17% say the biggest consequence is the inability to upgrade company technology. However, 85% of participants do expect to spend more on technology in 2022. That might be a result of higher costs due to supply chain disruptions, plus the ongoing needs of the new post-pandemic workforce 
got to invest in digital transformation. When asked how technology can help fix supply chain issues, executives supplied a range of ideas. One member suggesting improved end-to-end visibility, another suggesting less reliance on China. For more results and to learn more about the council, you can head to cnbc.com slash TEC. D? That's great insight, John, and some good hard numbers behind uh, one of the biggest themes we're talking about these days. Up next, an argument that Wall Street is misvaluing Amazon as compared to other cloud stocks. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Tech Check podcast. Listen anytime, anywhere, wherever you download podcasts. We will be right back. Let's get back to Amazon trading lower today, as you know, and to Mike Santoli, who has a different way of looking at its valuation compared to Pierce. Hey, Mike. Hey, Carl. Yeah, and compared to Pierce specifically of uh, AWS, Amazon Web Services, the cloud software business, over the last four months, as you see here, Amazon uh, shares have done worse than flat, uh, whereas the, co- the comps, Microsoft, uh, Alphabet, Snowflake, uh, DigitalOcean, They've actually had a very good run, and presumably, because AWS has actually performed very well and done better than expectations the last couple of quarters, you would think that that piece of Amazon is gathering value the same way uh, that these comps are in there. This is B of A's kind of way of looking at things here. What's effectively happening is the market is devaluing the e-commerce part of Amazon you know, by default. Take a look at uh, Amazon relative to one of the cloud software ETFs. I have noted for a while that it has traded more in sync with uh, the cloud group than it has with retail. Uh, and that probably does tell you that it's becoming an increasing part of the valuation. Arguably, on a sum of the parts basis, over time, uh, it seems as if this would be supportive of Amazon's valuation, the idea that it should have more kind of a cloud characteristics, even though, guys, of course, you never get full credit for something that's embedded inside a very huge company, uh, you know, even if it is uh, very much a, uh, a top competitor in a more highly valued peer group, guys. Well, quarter after quarter, Mike, it's amazing to see that AWS is essentially providing all of the profit to Amazon. And you have a quarter like the one we just had, $2 billion in increased costs. The current quarter, $4 billion. It's essentially subsidizing the e-commerce play. And that's also why when you look at Amazon versus the other retailers, it does get that much higher valuation. No doubt about it. And I I think the bet has to be, if you did want to sort of buy this little dip in Amazon, the bet has to be that it's not going to get any worse for the retail side. In other words, the size of those subsidies, if you're looking into next year, should not be growing and, in fact, should be shrinking, especially on a relative basis. So that is the calculus you have to make. Uh, And increasingly, I think it, it is going to have people try to figure out if Amazon might want to find ways to surface that value a little bit more that's coming from AWS. Speaking of surfacing value, thank you, Mike. Check out shares of Atlassian. Ticker Team, T-E-A-M, up almost 8% this morning. The company makes work collaboration DevOps software. With today's move, it is now edged out NVIDIA as the top-performing tech stock in the NASDAQ this year, up 94% since January. A week of tech earnings it has been coming to a close. Twitter by far the worst performer, by the way, down 14 percent. Alphabet, Microsoft come out on top. And Microsoft, of course, now the biggest company in America by market cap. John, uh, it's been an interesting race 
at the top there uh, in that uh, ether of market cap, but certainly today it's Microsoft's turn. Yeah, and it's not going to end. It's a snapshot moment. Uh, they're still doing laps around the track, D, but for now, with the supply chain constraints that Apple is facing with the cloud positioning mm -hmm. that Microsoft has, kind of hard to to see how the calculus changes a lot from here. I would also point out, outside of earnings, though, Pinterest for the week, boy, down more than 20%. So a lot of action outside of earnings as well. Yeah, and that'll bring us to PayPal coming up as well. It'll be interesting to see if they say anything about that reported acquisition talks with Pinterest. Also next week, Carl, I'm looking at the ride-sharing companies, Uber and Lyft. When you hear the kind of commentary that you did from Amazon, they're going to start an average pay of $18 an hour. really makes you wonder how Uber and Lyft are getting drivers to the platform, what kind of benefits they're going to offer, they have to offer that sort of minimum wage that we've talked about over the last few years or so. Uh, so that's up next week as well, some of the others in the sharing economy. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, you know, you mentioned some of those travel names like Airbnb. We're going to get Marriott and Hyatt as well as we sort of see the mix between these new disruptive economies or, or co companies in the travel space versus some of the legacy names. And then, John, a fairly decent dose of media. Uh, we'll get some, uh, some Roku in there, uh, Fox. Um, as we continue to look at uh, how you know streaming and, and media consumption changes with the, the very healthy consumer. Roku continues to be so interesting to me. Uh, they are in some ways a pure play on streaming, Carl. Uh, they also have a lot of leverage in the ecosystem in a way that I think a lot of people don't appreciate. Uh, advertising, uh, consumer loyalty, all of that. So important to watch that as we head into Q4 with everything that we see happening with Netflix and others. And yep. guys, and that's one not last even thing counting. I just want to say, we, throughout the show, we've had uh, some employees take selfies in front of the new sign. We've got to identify that. I don't know if you've seen them behind us, oh, that's but very good. they're excited yeah, well, they, about it. <laughs> they're going to have plenty of time. Have a good weekend. You've been listening to CNBC's Tech Check. You can always catch us live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.